Professor Brian Brown's research shows that vulnerability fosters good emotional and mental health. It is a sign of courage. We become more resilient and brave when we embrace who we truly are and what we are feeling. The Vulnerable Scientist Podcast is a space for scientists to tell their honest and authentic stories. I am your host, Saranya Kerry, who happens to be a scientist, informal science communicator, and I help scientists create personal websites. If you want to support this show, go to www.patreon.com slash thevulnerablescientist. You can also follow this podcast on all social media platforms at TV Scientist Pod. Dr. Caroline Wanjiko is an entomologist and uh, she is telling us story of how she got to where she is right now. So at this point, she is talking about how she got into the first, how she got her first job. Yes, so you're talking about so, internship at CVL. Uh, yes, so in my third mm. year, I was looking mm. for internship. Mm. I've done CVL, the second year, I finished and gone back to school. I've done my third year, first semester, I guess, then second semester, and there was a break in between. Mm. I've looked for another internship. I've ended up in a hospital, lab, mm. and mm. I was just about to say, remember how the biochemistry guy said you can work anywhere? Yeah. You remember that that one from from, yeah. from undergrad, from yeah. from the registration of yes. courses? Yeah. Now, I end up in a hospital, and they're like, yeah, you've studied biochemistry. Yeah, mm. you can work in the clinical chemistry lab. Mm. So I end up in a hospital mm. doing um, a short internship and I'm just basically analyzing samples and mm. I was put in the clinical chemistry and they had a project that was kind of like, um, what, do you, what do you call it, um, a community project and they were basically following up patients who had HIV. So I ended up working in a lot of HIV samples mm. um, and doing a lot of viral loads and things like that mm. while I was there for that short stint. Mm. Um, of course it came and went, I left, I went back to uni. Now I'm in my third year. I'm about finalizing my third year. Mm. So in my fourth year, KU, uh, went on this massive riot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then of course, uh, the university was closed indefinitely. It was one of yeah. those indefinite closures. Yeah. And now we were just, you know, like at home, home and there's nothing to do. And being me, mm. there was no way I was just going to sit at home. Yeah. And so I started looking for internships. Mm. But this time it wasn't easy. I mean, because I'd exhausted all the other places and I tried checking with them and they're like, no, we don't have internship opportunities now. Are you still there? Sorry, are you there? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we don't have uh, internships. Sorry, I'm too quiet. Now. No, no, no. I actually thought the signal was gone. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Um, so they, they were like, no, we don't have any internship opportunities now. You could try elsewhere. Mm. So I got a bit desperate because nobody was telling us when uni was going to come back. Yeah. Right? And I was like, hey, I might, make, I might just as well make myself useful. Mm. And in any case, I'm in the fourth year and I'm just, I'm just about to leave school and I don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. So I came up with this ingenious plan. Mm. <laughs> I listed, now I thought, okay, so I've worked in a hospital, so I've worked in a veterinary lab. Mm -hmm. I just want to try industry and get mm -hmm. and sample and see how it feels, if I yeah. like it or not. So I thought to myself, what do people in industry do? What do they need? And then I came up, ah, quality assurance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I need to look for companies that have a quality assurance department, mm -hmm. and then I need to try and secure something there. Mm -hmm. Then I thought, mm, the people with, ah, uh, then I was doing a little bit of reading and looking up on the internet and then realized, ah, pharmaceutical industries. Mm -hmm usually have very strong quality assurance departments. Mm -hmm. so, hmm, 
let me try my hand in there and see if I like it. Mm. Anyway, so I, I, I came up with a list. I always tell people this and it's a funny story. I came up with a list of all the pharmaceutical industries I could find in the industrial area. Wow. <laughs> How did you find that list? In the internet? Or you there went... Was a, the, there was a yellow pages oh. at home. Ah. <laughs> hey, First, hey, I used the yellow pages, I think. Huh? <laughs> Sorry? I used the yellow pages in the beginning. Uh-huh. And then I think I went... Then there was internet and there was a cyber cafe close close by home. Uh-huh. And then I was also trying to check a few of the places. So I had a, a elaborate list where we... And the roads... You know, the roads in the industry area are in alphabetical order. Did you know that? I didn't know. <laughs> well, well, well. What? There's an A, a B, and so forth. Well, I don't know whether there's a C. And, but I, I did I did highlight a few places I wanted to go. Uh-huh. So I started going to those places, road by road. Mm. Today, I'd say, today we are going to Isiolo. I, mm. I mean, I don't remember the name of the roads, but I'm just thinking Isiolo Road. Wait, wait, then, wait. Who's funding this such? My mother was funding this such. My mother was giving me bus fare every day. What did she think when she, you told her that idea? I Well, I, I didn't tell her I'm going road by road, but I told her I'm going to Australia to try and find Aww. an internship in a pharmaceutical company and I want to try my hand in quality assurance or quality control, something mm. those lines. Okay. And she was like, that's a good idea because we don't know when uni is going to, to resume. Yes. She funded this search, by the way. And, okay. I mean, I think without her, I wouldn't have come as far as I have come and... Um, I owe a lot of things to her. Yeah. So I would go. So I did the first day, the second day, the third day. I'd go. I'd knock on doors. Oh, no, no. There are no internships. No, we don't have a QA department. The mm. usual. Mm. And then I think I, I got to a certain alphabet. Can't remember now. Mm. It's a long time. Yeah. And the company was Bitter Healthcare. Mm-hmm. And I showed up just before lunch. And mm-hmm. the head of quality assurance was going for lunch. Mm. And so I came in and I said, I want to see the head of QA. Mm. And they were like, oh, good luck. He's just stepping out. Mm-hmm. So I, so prior to that, maybe to take you back a little bit, a friend of mine had said to me, you know, if you present yourself in places, you need to fix your CV. Every and time. they had given me, you, you have to have like a proper CV. You, you need oh. to do your CV pro, uh, professionally. Mm. And uh, apparently there was a company those days in town. I can't mm. even remember where it was based. That they used to, uh, what is it called? Like edit your CV, spruce mm. it up, and make it look good. Mm. So I'd, I'd gone to one of those places and paid. I guess it was like, I don't know, that it was a thousand bob in those days. It was a lot of money. Mm. <laughs> and they done my CV professionally uh-huh. and printed it on a special type of paper. Okay, even <laughs> there's a paper. Yeah, there's a paper. There was a paper. I don't know whether I still have a copy. I think I I always retained one for you know for keepsake. Okay. It had this uh, paper that is like um, how do we, how do I say it? It's not hard paper. I don't know what to call it. The gauge was not you know your usual standard printing paper. Mm. It was heavier. It looked better. It was cream mm. or yellowish in color. You know, there was just some shiny. It wasn't shiny. No, it wasn't mm. shiny. Okay. It was. I mean, if I, if I, for the lack of a better description, I think it was like a matte finish <laughs> on that paper. Uh-huh. Anyway. <laughs> so I'd paid, I'd paid a tidy sum to get my CV revamped eh? uh-huh. and, and to showcase my work experience. You know, I'd been to CVIL, I'd been to a hospital, I'm studying uh-huh. this, and my course units had been listed. Uh-huh. Yes. So I, 
you know, I was making headway those days. Yeah. So anyway, I show up and this guy says, what do you, what do you need? I say, I'm looking for an internship. And I say, I have come with my CV. Here's my CV. Oh, you are fourth year. Yeah, he looks at my CV. Now, I, I don't know whether it's the paper or it's the effort to go and find the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this guy was like, where do you live? <laughs> then uh-huh. I told him, I live all the way in Kabete. Yeah. And, and he's like, oh my god, this place is so far from where you live. Uh, and he's like, I'm so sorry, I've just given out the last internship today. Oh. I don't have any internships, but I am so impressed by your efforts. Uh, I'm going to help you find an internship. Okay. He said, wow. Do you know a company called Cooper Kenya? It was Cooper Kenya then. It's now Cooper K Brands mm. Limited. Okay. Do you know? I'm like, yeah, I've heard about it. It's a commercial, right? He's like, it's just down your alley. Hmm. Have you tried there? I'm like, uh, actually, no. I mean, because I, I hadn't thought that far. When I hmm. said I wanted uh, quality assurance, I just thought pharmaceuticals. Hmm. And when I thought pharmaceuticals, I thought humans. Yeah. I didn't think animals. Have pharmaceuticals. Right? Hmm. Yes. So I, of course, I, I said, yeah, I've heard about it, but don't they do animal health stuff? He's like, yes. But they have a quality assurance department. And uh, the the head of the quality assurance department was an old colleague of his. Mm. I can't remember whether they had gone to school together or they had worked together previously. I don't mm. remember the the relation. how they knew each other, the relation, but mm. they did. And mm. he said, I am going to send you to him and present yourself, present your CV, just as, as you have here, mm. and see if they can secure for you something. Yeah. So the next day now, I wasn't going to industrial area. Yeah, I was going to, to do Kagenda. your uh, alphabets. <laughs> to do my alphabets <laughs> to find a job. <laughs> uh-huh. And so I showed up there and I, of course, I had an appointment because uh, prior, uh, he, this colleague had called him and let him know that I was, he was going to send a certain student who was going mm. for an internship and whether he can have a look at my CV and whether you know they can slot me in whenever they have an opportunity. That mm. was the deal. Mm. So anyway, I showed up with my papers and we spoke and he said, no, we don't have anything now, but you have to wait a couple of months. But when something comes up, we'll slot you in. Apparently, their internship process was rigorous. You mm. have to do an, an interview, an oral and a written. And if you pass, because I mean, it's competitive, then mm. you come in, we pay you a small amount of money. Mm. I mean, that was the deal. Yeah. So I, I think it's my... still that way. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I did an interview with them some okay. time back. Okay. Could, could be this way. Okay. Right. So I, I mean, I left my paperwork and I went home. Mm. So for a moment, I, you know, I rested a little bit and I was like, okay, oh, this alphabet thing is going to, yeah, it's going to kill me. Mm. If I continue, we're just going to industrial area every day. So while I was waiting, I, I believe maybe I waited a week or two. Mm. And then one day, just at random, one one lunchtime, uh, somebody called me and they introduced themselves and said they're calling from there and they said they have internship opportunities and uh, they'd like to invite me for an interview. Mm. And so that's what I did. I showed up for the interview. I did the oral. I did the um, the written one. Mm. And uh, I guess I did something right. They were impressed by me mm. and I was offered an internship. Mm. And that's how I started at Coopers. So you started so, as an intern? I started as an intern. So when I finished my internship, or shortly before I finished my, I had finished my internship. When I was coming to the end of the internship, then KU decided, you know what, we'll resume. Mm. So I went back to school. Okay. I went to go do my final exams for my final semester, mm-hmm. and then now left. Of course, waiting for the processes, which is graduation and whatnot. Mm. 
So while I was out, I, I went back there. I said to these guys, I mean, I did an internship with you guys. I enjoyed my stay here and my work and the work experience that I got. And now I've finished my undergraduate. Will you take me on? Mm-hmm. And they were like, nothing at the moment, but keep checking, keep checking. So while Do I was it. waiting... <laughs> I know, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they were like, well, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. Okay, Okay. sour, sour. I'll just go home. I'll wait. I'll fight. But you know me, I don't wait. So while I was waiting to see if they give me something, I kept hunting. Mm. I think mine has been a hunt all through. I mean, now when I when I talk about it is when I realize how much work. Yeah, <laughs> you put in to trying to find an opportunity. So where did you hunt again? Like, did you go thinking so about industry? Hunting. Mm. No, yeah, I continued thinking about industry, and I remember. Um, so there's a there's a pharmaceutical company I think in Kikuyu. It's called Universal, mm. Universal Health Corporation, or something like this. Mm. And I remember just stalking the head of QA and taking my paperwork and emailing him and just showing up and saying, do you have something? Do you have something? Do you have something? Mm. <laughs> While I was in the middle of that, mm. one of my contacts from my old internship at the hospital, mm. they had a small little project they were doing on uh, health education in primary schools. Mm. And they needed uh, somebody to do that bit of the work and they recruited me for a little while. Mm. And uh, we were doing a typhoid campaign. Mm. And, you know, I was busy with that mm. for some time. Mm. And then I had from my old uh, company, Cooper's. Mm. They said, you know what? We have an opening and we think we can offer you something. Mm. So this time, because I'd finished school, it was no longer an internship, but they offered me uh, an entry-level job. Mm. So it wasn't too long after. In fact, it was before I formally graduated. Mm-hmm. So by the time I was, you know, getting my undergraduate degree, I was already now working for Cooper's. Mm. at an entry-level position. Yeah. They, they used to call it in-process quality control. I was an in-process quality controller. Mm. And that's that's where it started. And I stayed um, at Cooper's for the next X number of months. I guess it was 10 months, close to a year. Mm. I took up a lot of assignments. I, In fact, I just, I gobbled up work. I had, you know, like... My tasks just kept growing by the day. I, I learned a lot. Mm. At some stage while I was there, my boss was, you know, confident with my work so much so that he actually sent me to their office in Tanzania mm-hmm. to supervise um, a job wow. for, for two weeks. And, well, I'd say it was growth and it was exponential growth. It was a steep learning curve, but it was exponential growth. What do you think that did to you, like that... Okay, apart from, you know, being added responsibilities as you go, that mm. that someone entrusting you and sending you to another country to represent them, what do you I think, think that did to you? It, that's very clear to me. What 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 happened, you know, what quickly, what I quickly realized was I had gotten to the point where, because I think the whole time I was looking at myself as somebody who's learning, mm. and then suddenly I realized, wait a minute, I have learned the ropes of, how to do this yeah and now they are no longer adding value to me but i'm also bringing value Value, yes to the company Mm. that was like um you know like um like an aha moment for me Mm. i was like wait i've actually grown i've grown quite a bit and Mm. i was like wait if they can entrust me with with i mean with a job in another country Mm. and i went there by myself and Mm. i was 22 or 23 years old 
23? I think I was 23 or going to turn 24. Mm. I don't think I was 24 yet. Mm. And and they had this, you know, they had this confidence that they could send me and that I could supervise this job. Mm. I always remember when I showed up in Tanzania and the person who, the driver who came to pick me up, when they picked me up at the at the hotel, the first thing he said is, oh my God, these guys have sent a teenager <laughs> to do this job. <laughs> Can you say it in Swahili? I was I was a very scrawny twenty four year old, very tiny. I think I I, I weighed forty nine kilos or fifty. Oh, so I didn't strike them as as the supervisor they had that they had been waiting. For. By the way, um, and I was a girl. Oh, doesn't help, eh? Yeah, it doesn't help. Imagine, I I feel like this this thing of uh, size. When it comes to certain positions, like I don't know, there's there's like a thing that plays there. Do you feel yes. that way? All the time, I've been feeling this way for a very long time. In fact, I think I've been petite for a long time. I mean, the only advantage to it is that I'm a bit tall. Eh? Yeah. Uh, but for I guess I, I I don't know how people are classified. I mean, you can't you can't size people according to their ages. <laughs> it's just a ridiculous. Thing. Yeah, but but there's that, and especially if you're a woman, mm. and, and for some reason you're petite. Now you're petite. You're a woman. Just in a rainbow. It's it's like you just don't take up space, and 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 people are like, okay, just another fly on the wall. But this is how I felt then. But then again, you can't you can't even <laughs> begin to measure people based on their. Based on their size or their body size, yeah. I mean, it has no bearing whatsoever on their potential. It has no bearing whatsoever on mm. their knowledge or skills. Yeah, it, it's a mm-hmm. strange, it's a strange parameter that people use. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it's. Uh, I don't know what's worse. I don't know whether size is even. The, I, I guess size is like the worst. Mm. <laughs> I mean, there are many, there are many levels to to that whole thing, but I, I think size. But I mean, the person who sent me to take up this assignment knew that I was equal to the task, and and really I was. Mm. I mean, my 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 then boss had complete full confidence in me, mm. and I mean, this is this is a company that is looking to make money. There's no way they're going to make mistakes yeah. with the decisions of the people that they sent yeah, yeah. to to supervise jobs. Mm. And I was equal to the task, and I completed my assignment successfully with a positive report, and we were able to do what we were supposed to do, and I stayed on top of things. How how was it like going to another country as an individual? Because that was the well, first time. That was the first time, was right? The first time traveling alone and traveling out of the country. It was it was um, it was a bit scary. Mm. And you're staying at your mom's still. Yes, I was mm. a baby. I was I was I was living in my mom's house, but I mean, I had her blessing to go. Mm. My organization had catered for you know how I was going to go, how I was going to arrive. I mean, all of that was worked mm. out. Mm. I think, of course, I had to have some nerves then and some jitters about just traveling. But then I think once I hit the ground mm. and I started, you know, going, then I was like, I'm going. So, so I have to I have to arrive mm. and I have to go and do what it is that I've been sent to go and do. And I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I came back. Um, yeah, but it was the first time to do solo travel mm. for work. Mm. And uh, it was a little bit scary, but I was fine. I... Yeah, it worked out great. Okay, so yeah. you're still in this company, you're moving forward. Uh-huh. So now I realize I'm growing. I realize mm. 
I'm bringing some value to it. And I thought, perhaps maybe I should start advocating for myself. I've, I've, I've always had this belief and I've been raised. I, I'd like to say I've, my parent is very democratic. Mm. And uh, by democratic, I mean that, that even in the household, you're allowed to make decisions. Mm. You're allowed to contribute to decisions. Mm. You're allowed to say, I don't like this. I think there's an alternative to it. Or, yeah. you know, and, and for that reason, I've always known how to advocate for myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is one of the life skills that I was given. I mean, apart from, from reading books and, you know, that I was given when I was really very young. And I've always known how to advocate for myself. I hope any parent who's listening to this part just sticks that up. Like, how important it is to let a child even decide what cloth to wear. Like, those yes. small... Or have a say in something. Like, it yes. really plays a big role, you know, in future where they, they get to. Absolutely. I, mm. I can tell you for a fact, I, I, I hear people saying when they were teenagers they couldn't choose their own clothes mm-hmm. i always say that when i was 16 my mother would allow me to choose what i want to wear mm-hmm. she'd allow me to choose in fact i remember i always make fun and i tell people when i was 16 i used to wear a toe ring what is that i used to wear a ring on my toe oh a toe <laughs> ring i've never been oh my a god i used to wear a toe ring and it was not until i went to high school and somebody asked me mm. It was the only thing I'd wear. I wasn't one of those crazy teenagers. I I was Mm. a very well-behaved teenager. Mm. I I mean, I I wasn't a rebel. I wasn't anything like that. But Mm. I was fascinated by the fact that there's something like a Tory. And I love jewelry. Mm. I mean, still do. Mm. Um, And so I used to wear a Tory. And people are like, but you're... It had never occurred to me that Mm. for some people, it would have been impossible. I mean, I've been wearing this thing, I think, since I was 16. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... It was an expression of I don't know what. Don't ask me what it was an expression of, but it's just something I liked. And and I had no... And my parent, because I think we had already established this relationship between mm. us, and we, which was built on trust. Mm. And she had done a lot of work to ensure that I'm well-grounded. Mm. I think now she was like... She was easing me into being able to start mm. to make my decisions. Yeah. A lot of parents don't do that. What yeah. parents do is that they shelter their children yeah. and then just let them off in one go. Yeah, at once. Like, now go. At once. <laughs> now you're on the edge of the cliff and then this you do so it to jump. sad. It is sad and it is scary. Yeah. But I think I was, I was slowly eased into decision making mm. and advocating for myself and choosing what I want to do, you know, in kind of like an age-appropriate way throughout. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but I mean, by the time I even got to these spaces, mm. and I think this is what gave me the confidence to go to all these places that I went to. Yeah. Considering, now, I mean, now when I talk about it and when mm. I think about it, considering that I was a girl, yeah. I should have been reserved. Yeah. And, you know. Afraid. Afraid. But I wasn't. And and every day after a hunt, I mean, mm. I would sit down and review notes with my mother and tell her, today I was here. Mm. And I met this and this person. Mm. And I didn't like this and this and this. Mm. How can I, you know, we used to have this sort of conversations. Mm. And I think that's an element that is sometimes missing. When, especially when children go to school and now they are at the, you know, at the place where they have to start choosing their careers. Mm. And now the parents, a lot of, I mean, not a lot, but I'd assume it's an assumption because, I mean, I don't want to generalize, but I think a lot of parents just let you now take over. 
Yeah. They don't participate in the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they just ask you, how did it go? Oh, okay, I have a friend I can link you up and perhaps some for some of them, that's the most they do. Mm. Link you up and then just let you mm. go figure. Yeah, it out. For me, my career journey has been very strongly interwoven with my relationship with my mother. Mm. In fact, I say that anything I've experienced, she's experienced. Mm. I mean, even I get in a doctorate. That doctorate was equally hers as it was mine. Wow. She participated every step of the way. She was my sounding good. She was everything. Mm. She still is. So I guess then parents have a, you know, have a big part to play in terms yeah. of even just helping their kids even sh- shape their careers and figure out this thing, figure out life. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, before I go off on a tangent. Um, yeah, so you're I'll talking be- about that you know, trying to make your decision, you got to a point where you wanted to make a decision about something you didn't say. Oh, yeah. So now I was thinking, we, we go back to Tanzania and me discovering that now I'm bringing value and thinking I need to advocate to my, I need to advocate for myself. I'm not earning enough. I need to probably go and have the dreaded conversation with my boss, which mm. is, or with any boss, which is money. Mm. I I think I'm working hard. I'm taking up a lot and I'm not being paid enough <laughs> for what I do. Mm. And you're 23, and you just started, and you should. And you don't have responsibilities. You don't have responsibilities yeah. at the back of your head. You're thinking, um, you should be very grateful, grateful that you have this opportunity because you're privileged more than most. I mean, most of my peers at the time were still job hunting, mm. so there was a little bit of that at the back of my mind. Mm. But I said to myself, no. Let me just go and try and have this conversation with him. I mean, if he throws me out of the office, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But knowing and having had the kind of uh, working relationship we did, I knew even if it was not going to, to go in the affirmative, he was mm-hmm. going to tell me something I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Or he was going to give me something valuable that I could take away. Yeah. And so I did that. And so I went and we had this conversation. And let me tell you, I wasn't wrong. Because what he told me was so valuable. Of course, I didn't get the raise. Okay. <laughs> I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't secure the bag. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for something. Uh-huh. I was too young to have a bag. <laughs> okay. No. On a serious note, I didn't secure the bag. Mm. But they said, uh, he said they would look into it and uh, he would initiate a process for HR to review and all of that. But mm. over and above that, we had a really interesting conversation. Mm. Because then we talked about work and what fulfillment with a career Mm. means i mean for 24 year old at the time now mm. i think that was a very profound conversation we had what it means to have to be satisfied with mm. your job mm. to be fulfilled mm. with your job mm. you know because there's a difference there's yeah. a difference between satisfaction and fulfillment yeah and so we started to have a conversation about you know career development and growth and stuff like that mm. and so i stayed on and then at this time, of course, uh, now going back to what I talked about before, I was being given some tasks to do some R&D work, some mm. research and development work mm. to develop stuff. And then I was now starting to come face to face with kind of what research looks like. Mm. And I I mean, the fascination had started to develop. Mm. And my boss was very instrumental because the kind of like uh, mentorship he gave me at that point really shaped up, I mean, how the rest of my on my uh, career journey went. Mm. So I worked with him. He walked me through the processes. He, you know, this this particular small project was was a challenge for me at that time at that stage. Mm. But I took it up and um, and he, you know, he handheld me and showed me the ropes and 
to a point he said now okay you develop this thing now you go over to the pharmacy and poisons board and go and take your stuff for registration see how that goes mm. these are the files that you need to go with prepare them it was a steep learning curve but it was mm. very valuable mm. not valuable because i was going to work in industry again but now i look at the skills that i picked up and the mindset mm. and i realized that it took me a long way that it helped me a great deal much 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 later what so, do you mean in the sense i didn't once i left the company and i went to school and i moved on i mm. didn't work in industry again yeah, yeah. but there are skills that i gained while i was working in that company that were very transferable to the other things i was going to do later like and when i showed up in those spaces for example mm. working in the quality control department forced me and and in particular that particular project mm. forced me to be like very organized and methodical in how i did my lab work mm-hmm. which of course came to serve me very well now when i was doing my master's project and mm. my phd mm. and i was you know now up to date i'm a stickler for processes um and that's a very key component when you're doing research mm. i mean if you don't value processes if you don't value standards if you don't value quality mm. it's possible that uh, you can do a lot of funny things yeah. when you're doing research mm. right mm. but now having that background from quality assurance and see what a process looks like and a process that can be reproducible mm. what that looks like mm. it it kind of you know it gave me that background so what i was saying is that those skills then became relevant later mm. the right? processes At, like uh, the processes and mm. you know just being able to do stuff methodically is an important component for a researcher Mm. you have to be able to keep track of what you're doing and you have to to be able to do stuff uh, stuff stepwise mm. you get and to be consistent enough to do stuff that somebody else can reproduce somewhere else otherwise then the data that you produce is not you know is not valid yeah. right yeah 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 so that first experience working there grounded me in that way mm. and so so now I've advocated for myself we'd have a conversation about career and what what a fulfilling career looks like and what a satisfying career looks like mm-hmm. and now I've had this uh, brush with research and I've started to think oh this is something I could do mm-hmm. and then I'm like okay these people um are not going to pay me much but or at least my salary won't increase but they've given me value in terms of skills yeah and for me to be able to earn more perhaps I need another qualification yeah so that's what I you had mentioned this before Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're talking about um how why you decided to do a masters. And now I Precisely. get what you what you're saying. Now we come full circle. Wait, uh, did other people in the company have postgraduate degrees? Not where I was at, not at the level where I was. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So how yeah. did you know about a masters? Like how did you know about that? So now when I realize okay I want to do research probably I need a masters to secure a better paying job. Mm. I mean that was the initial mindset that I had and the default setting was I was coming from KU for my undergraduate so by extension I was going to go back to KU and try and see if I can do postgraduate degree there. Okay. And remember this is just one year in. It's mm. not like 10 years later it's 2010. Mm. Uh, I started 2009 with Coopers and then in 2010 the um, towards the end of 2010 I think it was August then I got into KU to do a master's degree but anyway the the process of being able to decide what kind of a master's degree I was going to pursue was wasn't as easy it wasn't as straightforward because I I, I mean I, at that stage I knew I wanted to do research mm. but then there are there's a whole catalog of courses that you mm. can do right 
And so I thought about it at first. I, I was toying around with the idea of pursuing a master's in immunology because I was very good at immunology. When Sorry, I before that, mm-hmm. this decision of, you know, pursuing a career, pursuing a postgraduate degree, uh, did you share it with anyone? Or was it a thing that you're going on in your head alone? In the beginning, it was just a thing in my head. Mm. And up to the stage where I went to to do the registration, it was still a thing in my head. You know how you, you go and collect the forms and do mm. the application mm. and pay some money and then you wait. Mm. The, the moment where it stopped being in my head is when I one day came home from work, very tired, and my mom said, there's a huge envelope for you from KU. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I thought you were done. <laughs> I thought you were done. Mm. And I said, an envelope? She said, yes, there's a huge envelope with your name. I was like, ah, those must be old documents. Because up until this stage, mm. I am afraid of voicing the idea that I'm thinking to resign. Yeah. Because I'm in a situation where my work has potential for growth if I stick with it. Yes, in the company. Jobs are and not easy, it, yeah. Yeah, and people are liking what you're doing and you, you are enjoying your work, especially the research side. And now yes. jobs are not easy to come by and you're, you're in a very good position. Like you're in a very good position. Yes, the pay is not good, but you're in a very good position and potential to grow. That is the thing. And now, and now I'm <laughs> tired and I'm not tired really, but I just want to move on to the next level. Yeah. And, and that sounds arrogant if you think about it. Back then it would have been considered arrogant. I think the, the generation that is there now... These guys were calling the Gen Zs are not even afraid of doing this hop, skip, and jump. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But in my days, mm. I, I thought, it, I mean, I, in those days, I thought, I, anybody would look at it and think, this one is so arrogant. She thinks she's going to find the next big thing. Okay, before you tell us about what your mom said, uh, you, you're thinking about the, the, the masters that you wanted to do. Yes. You're good so, in immunology. I was good in, 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 in immunology, and I had very good rapport with mm. the with the faculty because immunology was being offered in the department of zoology and remember i was a zoology major yeah so i was coming from that faculty and so mm. i knew my teachers there mm. Mm. and so transitioning back there would just have been like easier how do you feel after having this conversation so far it, it's you know i never had to tell the story anywhere wow this is the very first time um I think that's why I think that's why it's also a bit. I mean, the details just come and go. I mean, it's not like I wrote it down. Like, I'm not having yeah. points to. And that's why I want it like that, though. From memory, yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of the things I'm saying now are very profound when I think about what I had to do to. I mean, and how much I've done to mm. to be here. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's interesting, and I hope it can you know inspire someone who's out there. So take us through from you before moving to, to to doing a master's. Just start that story again where you're trying to enroll to a master's degree and you're trying to decide what master's degree to pursue or you're trying to decide, uh, you know, that part of quitting and all that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Because <laughs> at an this point, question that you ask. Mm. Yeah, because at this point you're now, you've, uh, you've, you've passed through KU and you know the the whole thing that came with um, 
choosing the subject and how that you know uh, the courses course units and how that you know interwoven into your career up to now um, mm. and how that path you didn't see at that time but how that path has led you to where you are and uh, you now having a job that has potential to growth but not money-wise necessarily and you decide to pursue your career further so yeah take us through that yeah so now um so we're at that stage where i have already you know made up my mind at least in my head and i've gone to ku and i've uh, done my application and i've paid my application fee and i've received this fat envelope from ku Mm. And uh, apparently it's an admission letter and all the uh, other documents that come along with an admission letter. Yeah. And now the decision that was just, you know, living in my head has come to life because now I'm at a place where I have to decide whether I want to do this or not. Yeah. And uh, of course, I mean, it's not just an individual decision. I mean, other people would be involved. So now I have to start having these sort of conversations with people. Mm. And I think in that time, I don't know whether I mentioned, I felt, I felt like I, if I just went out and said, look, I, I don't want to, you know, keep doing this job, perhaps people would have looked at me and thought, mm, you know, that's, that's a little arrogant, given mm. that there are no jobs and mm. given that you're very young and given that you've just started, you have mm. very little experience. Um, I mean, even though I had taken up so many roles i mean in the course of that short period of time and i had learned so much still mm. it's not like i had five years experience or 10 years experience so you know and for me to say i don't want to do this i want to go to the next level mm. that for me was not an easy decision i was afraid in the beginning mm. I, and i think also internally i was also you know i was thinking what if i set out to do this and i don't succeed at doing it and I fail, and I don't see it through, and then I lose time, and I lose money, and, you know, and perhaps maybe I will look back and think, hmm, I should have stayed at that job. Mm. I mean, it's, 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 I think... It must be scary. Yeah, making a decision like that is not easy. I don't think it's easy at any level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not, it's not easy for a 24-year-old, it's not easy for... 27 year old what 30 year old mm. it's not these decisions are never easy but i think also with the you know with the naivety that also comes with youth there now when i think about it i think i should have even been more brave mm. i shouldn't have had this mindset i mean like i said um in the last uh, podcast mm. i look at the the kids now you know these guys the gen z's and mm. they are a lot more brave and and, and they can leap from from one thing to the next and, and I'm amazed that, you know, that confidence. And I look at them and I think, when I was that age, I was not that confident. I mean, if I was, I'd be, you know, I'd be miles and miles ahead of perhaps where I am now. Mm -hmm. But again, uh, I was coming from a different generation. Um, I mean, our socialization and what and how we've been raised and what we were made to believe was different from what, I mean, the kids it's now exposed now. to. I mean, yeah, now in the era of the internet and the... Uh, you know, the information everywhere, it's a lot different. Yeah. You know, you're not just depending like on one source of information in terms of where you're looking for advice and, and things like those, you know, yeah. other people's experiences that can help you also make better decisions. I mean, I think they are lucky now. Anyway, so 
for me, the first thing I needed to do was, of course, have this conversation with my parent, mm. right? Yeah. Remember, I was living at home. I was living with my mom. Mm. She was, in every sense of the word, part of the process mm-hmm. of what I was going through. I mean, trying to build this really um, career that I was trying to build at the time, which was in its infancy, you know. So, of course, I had to have this discussion and say, hey, um, I, I mean, I... I, I set out to make this application. I'm thinking maybe I need to progress with my studies for this and for this and that reason. And I've been thinking about it. And uh, this is why I'm convinced that this is the next best move I could make. And it's better now and not two years from, from now or five years from now. And, mm. you know, and I did have that conversation. And uh, I was really surprised because when I told her what was on my mind, she was like, oh, my God. How come you didn't share this with me earlier? Mm-hmm. And and I was like, wait, what? And and she was like, this is an incredible decision you're about to make. Mm-hmm. And she's like, this is so bold. I like it. You know, wow. I, I I mean, I was I was shocked. I was a little taken aback. I was like, okay, this is nice. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and she went straight on and she said, what do you need? Wow. And and this is in the backdrop of remember I mentioned that I came from a very humble family. Yes. And of course I was taking all of these things into account. And now I'm saying I want to go to graduate school. I'm not on a scholarship, I'm not on anything. I had a job and now I want to leave this job to go to school. And the math was not mathing. You know what I mean? Like there yeah. was there there were worries. There were worries in terms of how will I how will I go about it financially. But it's it's more like you know you um, you set out your intentions to the universe, mm. and if you do and they are genuine, then the universe conspires to to get you to where you want to go. It was something in those lines. How how much? So when I, uh, whatever money you had at that point uh, would take care of you for like in terms of tuition for how long in fact uh, the money that i had would take care of my sustenance it wouldn't take care of my tuition not at all so you just uh <laughs> took care of the application fee and the rest you just didn't know what would happen i just threw myself out there wow. this is what i'm saying <laughs> i mean i had i had little money in my bank but this money was enough for sustenance meaning it was enough to allow me to go to school and come home and pay for my bus fare and, yeah. and buy my lunch. Mm. And, and even with that, I didn't know how long. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but I thought it would get me started. The idea yeah. that I had at the back of my head that I didn't really share with anybody was I was going to go and try, if I, if I was going to find a way to pay my fee, mm. I mean, because the first, the first step, even before you're thinking about finding your fee, is doing the application, right? And, yes. And, and having an admission letter. I mean... Those are the basics. So once I had that out of the, out of the way, the next thing was um, mm. now if I am able to just go through the first year of this uh, graduate uh, course, mm. if I can go through the first year, I will, I mean, I have enough to sustain me through the first year mm. and then I will drop out, mm-hmm. try and find something to do, mm-hmm. save up a little bit more, then come back. Then come back. Wow. 
what? This is this, this, <laughs> yeah, this is what was happening at the back of my head. My, yeah. This is what I had, but it's not necessarily something that I mean because it seemed so irrational. Mm. <laughs> you know those kind of things that you think about, and then you're thinking, if I say this to anyone, they'll just think I. Honestly, I'm losing it. Yeah. yeah, like I don't have my act together. Mm. So that's what I really had at the back of my mind. But I was a bit. I think I was a bit afraid to voice it. Yeah. But then now I'm having this interesting conversation amazing conversation with my parent and she's she says to me what sort of support do you need mm-hmm. and then being me i just you know i put everything on the table i said uh, this is how much i have in my bank account this mm-hmm. is how much i've managed to keep aside for myself mm-hmm. from my mm-hmm. little job mm-hmm. um this is how much school is going to cost mm-hmm. and of course she had to prod and ask me and how were you thinking about going through paying for your tuition and whatnot. And mm. eventually I did tell her. I told her, well, this is what I was thinking. And, but, you the know, I did it very quick. Yeah, I was very quick about it. I did not want to, to pitch because I knew it was not even an idea that I could pitch. I mean, I knew it didn't make sense. Mm. <laughs> but I said it quickly in passing. Yeah. But I said, you know, if, 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 I mean, if this is not possible, I don't have to pursue it now. I can defer for a year or two. I mean, I don't have to go now. I mean... Mm. Of course, because you take into consideration um, your family situation yeah. and what you're, what you're realistically able to do and what you're not able mm. to do. Mm. And she said, okay, let me give it some thought. And while she was doing that, I, of course, had to also have this conversation with my boss, with my supervisor, because, I mean, now the possibility of going to school was in the works. Yeah. You know, and I didn't want to be that person who just wakes up one morning and says, eh, I'm I not quit. coming to work next month. <laughs> I've never wanted to be that sort of person. I've always wanted to be the person who makes transitions nicely. And yeah. because I mean you have to think about tomorrow. You have mm. to think about Yeah, not burning bridges and all yeah, that. Yeah, don't burn those bridges because you might just circle back, eh? Yeah. You might just circle back and and you might also meet these people in different spaces. And so you you never really want to burn those bridges and mm. especially when you're that young, you know? Yeah. You you try to hold on to everything you can hold on to. Yeah. So I did have this conversation with him and it was interesting because he listened and he was like, wow, I think that is such a bold move. Mm. And I, I mean, he was, he was all for it. He was like, I think this is great. I think it is better to start early than mm. to wait for later because of course, as you, I mean, as you grow older, life becomes a lot more complex and, you know, many other things arise. And so mm. when you still have the energy and the mind mm. of wanting to pursue this, I think it's great. But then he also posed this question. He said, now that we have that out of the way, mm. uh, let's talk about you know the, the you know the the, the 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 things that you would need to do to be able to to go through school. He's like, how are you going to raise your your so, tuition fees? Mm. You're not on a scholarship. First, he asked me, are you on a scholarship? Did you get a scholarship? I said mm. no. And he said, okay, so how are you going to do your tuition fees? And I said, well, when I was making this application, I was thinking, you know, I told him the whole story that I had at the back of my mind. Yeah, and. He just looked at me. I think he was just, you know, surprised by... Sometimes being youthful is nice. Mm. <laughs> You're very idealistic. You think <laughs> you think everything works like, you know, A, B, C, D in that order. I mean, you even mm. sort of think there's a manual to it. Yeah. And there isn't. <laughs> and there isn't. And sometimes <laughs> when a young person comes... I mean, now that I'm older, when a young person comes to me with you know, this sort of ideas, mm. you know, I look at him or her and I go like, wow, it is so nice to be young and trusting because as you grow yeah. older, 
You can't you do being, such. You can't even yeah, think. you stop being trusting. Yeah, you don't. You're not brave anymore. Mm. <laughs> I mean, your experiences kind of shape you, and you you become fearful in some ways. But yeah, I was making these lofty plans of how I was just going to secure another job, drop out of school, do it, save up money, go back, and it sounded at the back of my head, it sounded credible. But I know the moment I voiced it, everybody around me was looking at me like, okay, no, no. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You have lost the plot. Mm. (laughs) You've lost the plot. Anyway, so we did talk about it and I said, perhaps there's a possibility that um, my parent could be able to facilitate a tuition fee. Mm. And he said, okay, if then that's the case, how are you going to then sustain yourself through school? Because it's not just about paying tuition. Yeah. I mean, you you have to have lunch, you have to buy your reading materials you have to go to school mm. i mean you have to do the commute and you have to pay bus fare yeah. and all of those things anyway so i said to him well for that i have you know saved up a little bit mm. and i think i could be able to do this for a short period of time i won't be able to sustain myself throughout but mm. i have something to start me off and yeah yeah i was always the, the sort of person who believes that when you start off something then i don't things kind of just align yeah I mean, this is something I always knew growing up. I always, you just need to I, I start. Knew, mm. Yeah, you just need to start. The struggle was always getting mm. started. The moment mm. you get started, already the wheel is there. So the way just comes to you somehow. Yeah. So I said, yeah, that's what I have. And that's what I, you know, I could start myself up with. And he said, and, and, and at that stage, he was like, okay, perhaps you might want to consider multitasking between school and work. I was like, wait, what? Hmm. You mean I could continue to do work both. in school? I could do both. Is that even an option? Mm-hmm. He said, well, it depends on what your what the demands for your school look like and if you can balance that with with work, okay. with the demands mm-hmm. of work. And I said, you know what? I'm willing to take it. And uh, I quickly learned that that was not a good idea. Of taking after it? After I got ES, after I now started my, my school work. Hmm. And I realized the science course requires yeah huh? everything you got. Yes. <laughs> uh, being a part-time student, it's not necessarily uh, the best approach. Yeah. You know, I tried balancing school and work, I think, for just barely a semester. Hmm. And then I realized um, something is going to give. And that thing hmm. is going to be school. Remember now at this stage I've enrolled and I have gotten financial support from my parent and she's paid for my tuition fee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you wow. Know, for, yes, for the first semester. Mm. Now I, I I go to school with this understanding that the investment that has been placed on me is heavy. And there has to be a return on investment in terms of the money that has been put in for me to go to school, which is money that could have been directed somewhere, somewhere else. else somewhere very important mm. but it wasn't and now that investment is with me so i have it has to have some sort of return ROI. it has to have some sort of return and i looked at how i was trying to juggle being in class and being at work and i just realized um something will give mm. and it's at that stage that i you know i had a candid conversation with my boss and i said I don't think I have it in me to be able to multitask. I think what I have taken up requires that I'm a full-time student and this is the only way I can do justice to the, this process. This is after how long? It was barely a semester. 
Okay. Less than, less than. I mean, the semester is what, three months? Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess it was like in the second month. Hmm. You know, as my courses started to become intense and there was a lot of, you know, um, reading to do and assignments and things like that. Hmm. And then I just realized, ah, uh, well, no. So anyway, so I'm not sure I did mention that I decided to study biochemistry, did I? No. Oh, how, I, how I arrived at that. Yeah, no, okay. you're talking about choosing about immunology, you're just there. Yes, yes. So, remember how I said um, I was leaning into like a master's degree in immunology because my major had been zoology and I was very comfortable in the School of Biological Sciences. It, it was almost like home at KU. Yes. And uh, I had done all the foundational courses in immunology and I did very well. Mm-hmm. And it, it, was a, it was a subject that just came naturally for me in terms of just being able to understand the concepts and all mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. I didn't struggle. Mm-hmm. And so it felt comfortable. But also, I had, uh, you know, the small stint with the School of Biochemistry because that was my minor. Mm. And so, when then I decided, okay, what course? So, I was torn between the two. Mm-hmm. But then, I, at the end of it all, I mean, after musing about it for a little while, I thought to myself, you know what? You remember what that guy said during that your admissions. undergraduate? Yeah, that admissions guy. Remember how he said, with biochemistry, you can go anywhere and do anything. Mm. And I was like, well, the end of an academic journey really is not even at the master's level. Although now at the master's level, you began the journey to specialization. Yes. But, it, I mean, when you really think about it, you still have you still have a master's degree to do, you still have a PhD to do, mm. and all of that. And then I just, I, it kept ringing in my head. And it was like, biochemistry, you can go anywhere. You can work anywhere. You can work in an industry. You can, I mean, and I'd already done this. Remember, I was working in a, pharmaceutical industry i'd already seen how this foundation could allow me to work wherever you want yeah to work wherever i want and i just thought to myself do i want to box myself in and i was like no i don't think i want to box myself in like that and so quickly uh i i I just made a turnaround and (laughs) i went to the school of biochemistry Mm. and i then i you know i then I chose that and then, you know, I made the application and blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. I now moved forward. And now I have my tuition all sorted out. Mm. And I have had these conversations with people. And mm. I've tried schooling and working and it's not working. And mm. I've decided I'm calling it quits. Mm. Yeah. So, immunology would have boxed you, right? I felt, I felt like it would have boxed me in. Mm. And I was really afraid of that. Mm. In fact... Being boxed in, I mean, generally in my life as a person, hmm. I've never really wanted to be the sort of person who is in situations that box them in. I've always wanted rigorum. I've always wanted freedom to, to explore, freedom to say, ah, maybe this is not too interesting. Maybe we want to try yeah. that tomorrow. Yeah. I, I guess that is a personality thing. It's not, I mean, in as much as now in the academic world, I mean, there are voices that helped support that. Or mm. at least maybe I was leaning into those sort of, you know, conversations and feeling like, okay, I think that's, I think that's mm. what they mean. I think that's for me, you mm. know. It's also like a personality thing. So I felt, if I, if I go the immunology, it might just box me in. Mm. And I thought, biochemistry, I can, you know, if I change my mind tomorrow, I can go in a different direction altogether. Mm. And of course, I have all these foundational courses 
and even within biochemistry they i mean if you wanted to still go the immunology way you could especially given the sort of background that i had mm. and so i thought hmm, maybe it's time i took this biochemistry i much i much so that's how i arrived at that decision and um that's how it really started that's that's how i got to start my uh, graduate studies um eventually now when i had that candid conversation with my boss and said i need to uh go because i'm not able to balance this very well he mm. gave me his blessings i tendered in my resignation it was accepted and you know uh the curtains the curtains on that particular part of my life fell and that and that was that and i moved forward now you finished your coursework yes mm-hmm. now i've done the coursework i've finished and well not really finished because by the time i was done with i remember when i when we got in the first semester of coursework uh, mm. we had um a module on statistics i believe mm-hmm. and i remember the lecturer just asking us on day one mm. what do you really want to do with your master's degrees what sort of uh, arms of research would you want to go into mm-hmm. what are you thinking about and i remember for me i was like I definitely want to do something that's related to human health. Mm. And while we were having that conversation with that particular lecturer, she said the best time that you could start, you know, zeroing in on places where uh you could go pursue your research mm. is now. Not after you're done with your coursework. The best the best time is now. Mm. And so I started to think, oh okay. Oh, then we need to start looking. And now that is what brought me to the place remember how we said in the last yeah episode that mm. um then I started now knocking on people's doors I started looking up people on Google I started I mean I used any material that I could find to find yeah. people who are doing research and who are doing research that is sort of related to what it is that I was studying Yeah and this is where you're telling the story of uh, that parking lot incident Yes. Where? So yes. Mm. So I'd been to places and knock on people's doors, and that was one of those ones that I realized. Okay, they are doing some sort of you know human health related research. Although of course their model systems are primates, mm. but I mean primates and humans, you know, yeah, just down the alley. So it was quite relevant, mm. uh, and I thought perhaps this is this is the sort of place, and these are the sort of people I should start seeking out. And mm. I and I did relent uh, relentlessly. Mm. I did I wrote emails uh, that's why I was telling you I would spam people's inboxes mm. I mean I would write unsolicited emails I wouldn't wait to see somebody looking for something I mean because those sort of things never even come up you don't yeah. even <laughs> see stuff like that yeah so you just have to find these people get the institutional emails write them emails introduce yourself attach your CV mm. you know and just hope for the best which is what I did followed people up got a few appointments so that particular experience having to follow this particular scientist from Karen all the way to Museum, Museum Hill hmm. was you know was one of those experiences that I was like oh my god is this is this it is this is this what it looks like so this hmm. is first semester we are done and now we have a short i think we had a short break in between hmm. so this is what i was doing during that short break hmm. and you know to follow him to the parking lot and for him to give me so it was three words he told me i don't have a project for you i guess those are not three or they are four yeah. and that conversation <laughs> didn't last 10 seconds hmm. uh, <laughs> because I had nothing else to say thereafter. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, "Okay, thank you." Wow. 
and 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 that and that was a low moment 